the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Tom Opperman and Jacob Brecht with you here on another edition of the Steelers Standard. Jacob, we knew coming into the season that rookies were going to have a big impact on your 2021 Pittsburgh Steelers. We are heading into week five, so we've got four weeks in the books. We've gotten a pretty good size sample size at these rookies' performance, so I want to take the time in this episode to really look at the rookies that are contributing a lot and give uh, our critique or praise of how they've been doing so far in their young NFL career. Also going to get into some of the additions in free agency towards the end of this episode as well and give a look at how they're impacting the Steelers in their first year in the black and gold. But let's start with the rookies, and let's start at the very top. And this is the guy we'll probably spend the most time talking about. First-round pick, number 24 overall, Najee Harris out of Alabama, supposed to be the savior of this offense, if you will. Steelers... All the way from the president, Art Rooney II, to Colbert to Tomlin, this offseason had the mentality that they needed to get better running the football. That was the the biggest thing that needed to improve heading into the 2021 season after 2020's uh, collapse down the stretch. And they go out and they get the number one running back in the draft class to try to help bolster that running game. He's not getting much help from the offensive line, which has its fair share of rookies on it that we'll get to in a second. But he clearly, to me, is the number one running back out of this draft class. Uh, Javante Williams out of Denver is playing really well. Had a pretty angry run on Sunday. But that offensive line, I think, is better than the Steelers' offensive line, and that's helping him out a lot. And he also isn't the guy. He splits 50-50 with Melvin Gordon. Steelers fans, you'll get familiar with both of them coming this Sunday when Denver comes to town. But... Najee Harris just looks to me like not only is he the best rookie running back in this class, he's probably, in my mind, the most skilled and best rookie. I know Jamar Chase is having a better year numbers-wise. I'd say if, if there's anyone to make a case, it's Jamar Chase. Yeah, exactly, but I still look at what Najee's doing. And, and honestly, the fact that he has no offensive line and he's still you know, putting out some highlight-worthy tape in the first four weeks of his career, it speaks to me of just how impressive this kid is. He can't get to the line of scrimmage without getting hit more. It's like 70% of the time he gets hit behind the line. But yet he still is so good at avoiding those tackles for losses because he's just so hard to bring down. I know you haven't seen the 150-yard on-the-ground performance yet where he just is getting six yards every time he touches the ball and the defense has no answer for him. I'm telling you that's coming, Steelers Nation. So... Don't think that you'll go, honestly, probably this whole season without seeing a dominating performance like that. But even though he hasn't really been able to show out in the box score, if you're watching the game, you just know this dude is a special, special player waiting to happen. He absolutely is, and I think he deserves a little more credit than guys like Javante Williams and Jamar Chase just because of the offense he has surrounding him. Joe Burrow has at his disposal up to this point. Joe Mixon, we know he's a little dinged up. We don't know if he'll be good to go this Sunday for the Bengals. But that team is also doing a lot better than the Steelers are. That team is 3-1 and one compared to the Steelers, who are only 1-3. and three. And as you said, Tom, this is really the only guy the Steelers have that's a, a bell cow. And that's kind of a light turn when you think about how much Najee has touched the ball. I think Najee, of all position players, has touched the ball third most in the NFL through the season 
through its first quarter so far. Uh, that is absurd numbers to have as a young guy, absurd numbers to have as a rookie. Uh, I think because of that, and then you get given the state of the offensive line, Najee Harris is having one of the more impressive rookie seasons so far this year, simply because the effort or the production you've seen out of him is pretty much single-handed, right? All of his touchdowns have come on his individual efforts. The catches he's made have come on his individual efforts, a lot of yak that he's piled up. And then the runs, just it's simply effort based off of him. When you see him approach the offensive line, he just tucks his head down, puts his elbow out, and he pounds for an extra two or three or four yards that normally other guys like James Conner and Ben Snell would not get you. 185 yards on 55 carries through four games for Najee Harris. He averages 3.4 yards a carry. I know that that number is not very good in the NFL, but when you factor in that he gets hit behind the line of scrimmage almost 70% of the time, the fact that he's averaging 3.4 yards every time he touches the ball, that's actually something that's a bit impressive in my mind. I mean, Seven out of ten times you're getting hit for a loss, but somehow your average is still three yards past that line of scrimmage. It just is a testament to how hard he is to bring down. And you mentioned his impact in the receiving game, too, yards after catch. He obviously went over the centering mark against the Bengals receiving-wise, 14 catches, a record for a Steelers running back, and 102 yards through the air. Um, he caught a receiving touchdown against the Vegas Raiders in an amazing uh, effort from him to get into the end zone there. Scored his first rushing touchdown against the Packers uh, in garbage time a bit at Lambeau Field yeah. last week. But so, still, that leap that he made. Yeah, it's incredible. He's, a, he's an athletic freak, and I think he is trending towards being one of the premier backs in football. He's on pace to hit 740 yards on the ground this year with 220 carries. It's a lot of carries he's for a rookie, but that's what he that. should be getting. He's, he's on, on pace for that. I think he'll get more. Because I think those yards, yards per carry is going to go up and up and up. I agree. L listen, I know the offense. looked better with every game. Not only has played. he looked better with every game, uh, it's baby steps. We talked about this on our episode Monday. It's crawling even more than it's baby steps, if you will. But the offensive line did play better against the Packers. So I, you hope that not only does Najee get better and better and better, but that offensive line gets somewhat more adequate as we move along, and that helps Najee out as well. It, it can help. It's just we said last episode or, or a couple of episodes ago, maybe baby step is too generous I think it's of a, a crawl. Word. Baby crawl. It, it's first crawl. It's first time not just rolling around on its stomach. Because that's what it is. I mean, it's looked pretty putrid through the first three weeks. And week four was the only week where you said, okay, that wasn't the worst I've seen out of this offensive line. Exactly. So there's a little bit of silver lining there. Maybe they get somewhat better week to week to week, and they can help Najee find some more lanes, some more holes for him to run through and really become that game-breaker that he clearly is. Um, talking about him in the receiving game, though, like I said, he already went over the century mark as far as passing yards are concerned. That was a huge, huge factor in the Steelers liking Najee Harris and really a lot of teams in the league liking Najee Harris as the number one running back in this class. Is Not only is he a good lineup uh, next to Ben and Shotgun lineup uh, in single back, eye formation, and run traditionally style running back, he's also so good in that pass catching game and 
he trends towards a guy like Christian McCaffrey. He trends mm-hmm. towards what Le'Veon Bell used to be. That's the type of player that the Steelers picked and looks like they're going to get in the coming years when he really hits his prime. And in today's NFL, I-, I think that is so key to have your running back being a part of your passing game like that. Obviously, you can't do it with every one of them. They're not all going to be able to run routes like a wide receiver and get 170 total yards of offense between rushing and, and, and receiving the ball. Uh, you're still going to have your, your just traditional ground-and-pound runners, but the real game-breakers, the McCaffreys, the Barkleys, hopefully the Harrises sooner rather than later, are the ones that do it just as effectively in the passing game as they do in the running game. And he's he's trending towards that big time. I, th- I mean, you brought up those two names, McCaffrey and um... – Le'Veon Bell. I think he's turning a little more toward Le'Veon Bell because his size is a lot more familiar or a lot more reminiscent of Le'Veon Bell's than it is Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey's a small dude. And let me tell you this. That gets McCaffrey hurt a lot. I think Harris's prospects of staying healthy are a little bit stronger because of that build. I agree. The only season-ending injury that Le'Veon Bell suffered came twice, but it came at the – same hands of one person, Vontez Perfect, and that's a knee. Two seasons yeah. in a row, hit him right in the knee. I mean, it's two. Se- I mean, it's Vontez Perfect. It's it's not hard to have a season-ending injury when a guy whose sole purpose when he takes the field is to end a guy's career. That's what he does, and thankfully he's no longer playing football. I don't think there's a guy right now in this league who who is at anywhere near that level of vindictiveness that Vontez Burford played with so I don't think Najee Harris has that problem but yeah I mean we've seen McCaffrey for the past two years now have bad injuries last year he it, it came very early on and it sidelined him for majority of the season this year it came on that Thursday night game uh, against the Houston Panthers I or wow Houston Texans I believe and they were saying it's going to be week to week, but right now it looks a little bit worse than just week to week. So McCaffrey, I agree, Tom. I think it's better that we're saying the name Le'Veon Bell over the name Christian McCaffrey just because we see how how McCaffrey's size has really limited his production, these, especially these last two years. One thing that I always look for out of rookie running backs is how they take getting hit in the NFL. Are they – going to fall backwards are they going to get hit and just drop or are they going to be able to push the pile forward are they going to be able to take some defenders for a ride with them and Najee Harris has done nothing but take defenders for a ride with him that's all you see is it's impossible to ball. bring him down by one one person you cannot do obviously it. it's going to happen every once in a while but the odds are if it's a one-on-one tackle Najee's he might not break it but he's taking you for three or four more right. yards with him so He's such an impressive running back, and I can't stress how impressed I've been with him, even though the Steelers' overall results through four weeks have been less than ideal. Still think Najee's a hell of a pick and going to be a really special player moving forward. I'd rather have him than have some other offensive linemen. Well, all the good offensive linemen were gone by 24. Exactly. So why not take the game-breaker, best at his position, running back at that point? And leave yourself with only guys like Benny Snell and Kalen Balazs. Right, exactly. And when you pick a fourth or fifth best offensive lineman to block for Kalen Balazs or Tony Mack, how much 
is that lineman really going to impact the running game? I, I would think it would be minuscule at best, even though he'd be a stud mm-hmm. offensive lineman. Uh, the second pick that the Steelers made were was a tight end out of Penn State, Pat Fryermuth. They brought him in, expecting him to be a better blocker than Ebron. Obviously, he is that because that's not a very hard task to accomplish. No. But he still is not the best pass blocker uh Run blocker, excuse me, and that is a problem for the Steelers because you don't want to have drafted in the second round another tight end that just isn't as good at blocking. You need a tight end to be able to do both. I I know Kittle and Kelsey and Gronk, I mean, they're receivers more than they're tight ends, but But all three of those guys can, and all three of those guys can throw their body around Mm -hmm. on the offensive line. Maybe Kelsey less than the other two. But Gronk and Kittle really are effective run blockers. And they are they make up for their lack of blocking, if you even want to call it that, by being elite receivers. If 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 you were to group receivers and tight ends into one category, those guys rank in the top fifteen, all three of them. Frymuth, though, is a really good pass catcher. I know he dropped the ball from Ben against the Bengals, but who didn't drop a ball in that game from Ben? Pretty much uh, everyone. He's probably I know Ebron. The numbers right now, Ebron's played a little bit more snaps than Fryermuth has to this point of the season. But it looks like the past couple of weeks, especially, it's a flipped into Fryermuth being 1A and Ebron being 1B. Uh, obviously, Fryermuth has had some big catches uh, over the middle of the field, 20 yards down the field. He caught a touchdown against the Bengals. So his impact's being felt somewhat in the receiving game. Honestly, though, I, I think he could be making more of an impact in the middle of the field. It's just the biggest problem is that the quarterback's not really looking in the middle of the field right now. And, and I think that's holding him back from, you know, being more effective in the pass-catching game. With that being said, though, he can be more effective in the run-blocking game, and he's just not doing it. So much to the point where you're hearing murmur that maybe Zach Gentry needs to jump in there for run-downs because Frymuth and, of course, Ebron just aren't getting it done in that category. I'll look back to the instant reaction fans had and, and and collective media had when it was the first fourth down conversion attempt for the Steelers and they threw it again to Najee Harris behind the line of scrimmage. The, the initial reaction was, how could you be running the same play? After people started watching the replay and, study, and studying film from that game, the reaction turned from how could you run that play to what was Ben doing? It's a good play for throwing, wide open. Throwing the ball to Najee when, when Pat Firemuth was wide open, wide open in the middle. And you really question Ben's decision making because earlier in the preseason after that Detroit game when Firemuth had two touchdowns on, on, on Ben's three opening drives to start that game, Ben was saying, I kind of did myself a, a little misfavor here by – exposing him to the world because I wanted to keep him a secret and everyone was joking, well, he's not a secret now. We know he's going to be a, a favorite target of yours. Ben didn't even look his way. He looked, as soon as that ball was snapped, he looked right to Najee and dumped it off to him. How can you say you, you, you want him to be a secret if you're not even looking in his direction? I mean, are you really trying that hard to keep him a secret by not even throwing him the ball on that play? That guy was wide open. I don't understand if... If, if the Steelers have been searching for a Heath Miller 2.0 since 2016, you, you have a decent option in Pat Fryermuth. Why are you not going to give him the chance to make a play on that, on a, especially on a fourth down play? The second that that play happened, Wolf 
our, our good buddy Craig Wolfley said on the broadcast, Fryermuth was wide open, just sitting on an island right past the sticks, too. He didn't even have to do any effort to get the first no, down. He just had to catch it and fall over. He was scrimmage. He was past the sticks, which is a huge criticism and of wide, this team. And wide open. And then a little bit later on in that game, Ben hit Fryermuth over the middle for a decent gain. And Wolf said again, I-, I feel like that's been open all game long. I feel like that's been there if the Steelers want it all game long. They just haven't been able to take it. And really, this is kind of zooming out and looking at think the bigger picture here, but a lot of the teams that the Steelers have played, the Packers, their inside linebackers have been average at best. The Bengals, those, they've left a lot to desire there. The Raiders, that looked to be the biggest weakness. You could attack those, those inside linebackers covering tight ends and running backs out of the backfield. Uh, again, when we get into the Denver Broncos uh, eventually on one of our episodes this week, that inside linebacker core is not the best part of that defense. In fact, it might be the weakest part. So week in and week out, I sit down and I, I kind of get a game plan in my head of what would be a great way for the Steelers to attack opposing defenses. And it seems like all the time it's either A, you got to run the ball effectively, but B, get tight ends involved. Get tight ends involved. The middle of the field is the best point of attack for Three out of the four teams you've played so far, and gonna be five whenever the Denver Broncos come to town. And that's but, what Ben but likes to refu- do: is, is, is throwing that ball short yardage. That's what he did like to do. Yeah. Now he likes to throw it short yardage to the outside. Which the going odd. into the middle of the field, those have been very few and far between from Ben this year. But again, I, I think Fryermuth, especially more than Ebron, is finding himself open in that middle of the field. Uh, I've seen a lot of people getting back to Fryermuth here, saying what a waste of a pick that was. That's a luxury pick when the Steelers know they're going to make the playoffs. That's a skill position player you take there. I, I don't know if I'm ready to say that's a waste of a pick yet because I think he'll get better as a pass or as a run blocker, excuse me, and I think he's already shown the flashes of what he can do in the passing game. It's just uh, the only way I see it being a waste of a pick is when you see how bad that offensive line is. I'll tell you and who's I, a waste of a pick I know right they now. picked two offensive linemen, but maybe you should have picked three. I'll tell you who's a waste of a pick, not in any fault of his own, is Kyle Pitts. That guy is on some kind of island of which he has just been abandoned by Atlanta. Well, when you have Cordero Patterson, it's hard to get targets yeah, away right. from him. I mean, right. he's such a dominant running back slash wide receiver. He plays like every position. It's wild. But yeah, Pitts has been disappointing, no question about that. Everybody, including myself, thought he'd be the front runner for the offensive rookie of the year. Not even close. That has not been He's not the even case. In anywhere as anyone's top ten in any point of the season. He'll so have far. a big game soon. He will. I, I don't know. I, I believe that. I, the talent. I think he there. averaged three catches through the first three weeks. He finally Look. got something like seven catches for fifty yards. I'm not ready it's to his say best he's a bust. Game. In week four. Not ready to say he's a bust. You clearly no, are. No, I'm not ready to say he's a bust. No, but no, right now, I'd you. rather be Pittsburgh taking a tight end in the, number, in, the, in the second round than Kyle Pitts at number four overall. Well, they should have maybe taken another lineman, but they did take two with their next two picks. Uh, Kendrick Green, the starting center, and Dan Moore Jr., who has become the starting left tackle through injuries. And according to Pro Football Focus... Dan Moore Jr. has actually played the best out of any of the offensive linemen. I don't really trust pro football focus, though. No, so they who, have some weird rankings. Who, who knows what to yeah. make of that. Uh, the biggest disappointment on the offensive line has to come from that right side. Trey Turner's a veteran, and he's getting pushed back in the bend a lot. He's undisciplined. We, we know that. And then Chooks, I mean, 
we joking about Kyle Pitts being a bust, but it's legitimately time to say Chooks might be a bust. This is his fourth year. Mm-hmm. He still can't get any traction. He can't establish himself as a nailed-on starter in the concussion protocol still. That's not his fault, of course, but availability is a great ability to have, and he's not available at the moment for the Steelers. So that right side of the line. I mean, the left side with Dotson and um, Dan Moore Jr. Moore's a fourth-round pick rookie. That's going to be a big learning process for him. Absolutely. Dotson still has to adjust to the NFL. You know, that sophomore season's tough because the other teams, they start to adjust to you. You have to make that adjustment back if you're going to have longevity in this league. So he's fighting through that. And I think Kendrick Green has been just solid for a rookie solid. at the center spot. But certainly once you get past, the, certainly not having the the rookie season that Marquise Pouncey had. Right, but once you get past that, right, the right side is what really it leaves more to be desired for me. But we're talking rookies, and like we said, Green and Moore. I think that Green for sure is on a trajectory to be a long term starter. I think Moore has gotten a pretty good head start at being a long term starter as well on this line. You're gonna have growing pains with those two, but at least with those two and Dotson thrown in there as well, being only a second year guy. There's hope for the left side. The left side in the center at least has potential and hope moving forward. So everybody talking about how do they build this offensive line on the fly? Like this is going to be so hard. Everyone sucks. Well, maybe three out of the five won't suck long term. Maybe they'll improve this year and be nailed on starters by next year. Maybe it's only a two-person spot that you need to adjust on that right side. So hopefully Green and Moore continue to progress all year long and really establish both of themselves as – no-brainers for anybody who follows football as starters on the offensive line. I know we're only in October, and the draft is all the way out in April. But say Ben is not coming back for another year. I think that's safe to assume right now. Right now. Right now. And say that the Steelers, wherever they fall in the draft position, it's not high enough. I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team. They're going to get another top 18 or 19 or 20 pick. But say it's somewhere in that neighborhood of like 15, 16, where it's a little too low to get a good quarterback. I think it's safe to assume that unless they trade up, that you have to go offensive line in the first in the first round. I agree, but I don't think there's really anywhere else to go. But if they are back in that 17, 18 range, like you said, they fight back this year and they get to seven and ten or something like that, and they pick in the middle towards the end of the middle of the draft. Quarterbacks will be gone, of course. I there's a chance offensive linemen will That's be true. gone too. Like this is the same thing that they saw happen last year. Now I know you get lucky and guys like Christian Darrisaw fell last year. The Chargers snatched him up around fifteen or sixteen or something they were, like they that. They charged. They got Rashawn Slater. Oh, oh, the Vikings picked up Christian yeah. Darrisaw around fifteen yeah, or sixteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So it can happen. But still, both guys fell. At different at different points in the draft, but yeah, you're and right. those two were the ones that fell and were snatched up before the Steelers mm-hmm. even had a chance anyway. So even the ones that fall don't fall super super far. Like we've said a thousand times, the offensive line is the engine that drives a good football team. So just like good quarterbacks are going to get taken early, good offensive linemen are going to get taken early as well. Yeah, it's possible. Um, Moving on to some of the new faces on this team, the ones that I really want to talk about the most are on the defensive side of the ball. Joe Schobert and Melvin Ingram. I like what I've seen from Melvin Ingram when they don't overextend him. I think he's a perfect third guy in that rotation. Yeah, I agree. I think when he's playing behind Highsmith and Watt, his impact is felt more. Uh, Bill's game was outstanding from him. He made some big 
plays in the Green Bay Packers game as well. Had a couple yeah, tackles I mean, when for you're losses. Playing with TJ Watt, your life is going to be a lot a lot easier. easier, obviously. And when you are a veteran like him, and you don't have to play every single snap or close to every snap, that's just going to help keep you fresh and help keep your pass rushing at a very elite level throughout all 60 minutes of the football game. So I like what I've seen from Melvin Ingram. But on the other side of the coin, I'm a little upset with what I've seen from Joe Schobert. I agree. But I got to be honest with you, Jacob. I think it's a little bit of, yeah, Joe Schobert's been disappointing, but Devin Bush has been disappointing somewhat as well. And that might be forcing Schobert to do a little bit more than we'd hoped he would. We wanted Schobert to come come in and be that second fiddle. Both Bush and Schobert are kind of playing like equals right now, and, and that's not a good thing. for them. You needed Bush to be the elite guy and Schobert just to kind of be the mop-up duty, clean it up, make sure you know all your P's and Q's are checked off kind of guy. Yeah, they're disappointing you on different levels. You expected Devin Bush to, it's a great way to, to rise it. up to the occasion and say, I'm, I, I was on a trajectory to make a Pro Bowl in my second year, and I had that injury. I, you expected him to come back and really rise up to that level again and be that first-time Pro Bowler. And you expected Joe Schobert to just tie a bow on your defense as a whole because you knew the weakest link going into the season before you signed Joe Schobert was Robert Spillane. And to eliminate that problem, you expected Joe to just kind of be your your pin-up guy, right? Your, mm-hmm. your pin-down guy, whatever term you want to use, just to make sure that there's some that 11th man is out there and reliable. But they're both kind of disappointing because Devin Bush is not playing at that elite level. And maybe you're right, Tom. Maybe Joe Schobert isn't playing as well as we thought he could be just because he's compensating for the lack of production we've gotten out of Devin Bush. I think that that is a fair criticism to lob out. But also I think Joe Schobert just could be playing better too. You yeah, know, that's I think very possible. He's got pedigree, made a Pro Bowl in Cleveland, looked good in Jacksonville last year on a really bad team. I think he led the team in tackles last year. Maybe that was just a, a product of being on the worst team in football. If you're at halfway for, for decent, Browns and Jaguars, exactly. When you were on both teams, when they were at their at their bottoms. If you're halfway decent, you're going to look pretty good on those teams. We mentioned Trey Turner a little bit on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, that's probably the newest addition that's been the most disappointing, though. Definitely. I mean, Schobert and Ingram, uh, Schobert, uh, excuse me, yeah, you've got your fair criticism there, but Trey Turner, undisciplined, spitting in a guy's face, couple false start penalties I've seen him have already this year. Uh, he's gotten blown off the line a couple times, pushed back into Ben. Everybody got pushed back into Ben on the strip sack against Green Bay, but Turner was a very guilty party on that play. So, you know, you, you were hopeful when DeCastro reti- retired. The Steelers got a little manna from heaven by picking up Trey Turner, uh, multiple pro bowler with the Carolina Panthers coming off of the L.A. Chargers last season. People were skeptical about his ability to bounce back from a tough knee injury. And I don't know if it's the knee injury that's holding him back now or if it's just the fact that he's getting up there and maybe his career has seen brighter days. But, man, he's been probably the most disappointing free agent acquisition, not just this year, but that I can remember in a while. Uh, Yeah, I'd say him or Dante Moncrief. I don't even count Dante Moncrief. <laughs> I mean, you're going to talk about the okay, worst. Okay, he's it's, way worse than him. Dante Moncrief is, is horrible. way worse than it's him. He's the worst we've seen by far in our in our lifetime. He's so bad, say. though, that I don't even put him in the we, category. We forget about him sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, rookies it was, that are impacting the team. It was so traumatic 
the the Dante Moncrief uh, experiment. But it was not a Trey Turner's not lived up to the billing. No, he even is though not. the billing wasn't amazing anyway. But no, I mean he was a he was a he was a Pro Bowler. And you heard Ben say, you know, I need a veteran. I need to lean on this guy. Exactly that. I mean, we talked about how young this offensive line is. Chooks, other than Trey Turner, is the oldest guy in this O line at only four years into the league. And he's been switching positions from right tackle to left tackle. He has no consistency there. So Trey Turner, you thought was going to be the guy that Ben vibed with best. And right now, Trey Turner has the most penalties against him on that offensive line. He's shown the least discipline from guys on that offensive line. I would say between Joe, Melvin, and, and, and Trey Turner, a class of which we were saying this is the best free agency pool Kevin Colbert has, has pulled together maybe in a decade plus is by far the most disappointing of those three. That's all she wrote for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen. For Jacob Brecht, I am Tom Opperman, and we look forward to talking to you next time on the Steelers Standard.